This is the official Caps Chirp Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I am here with that snack, Polly Cupcakes. What's up, everybody? We're one week closer. Yeah. So, Caps fans, today we've got a great episode for you. Going to recap a little bit of Caps happenings. There is there is movement. There is movement. There is life uh, within uh, the, uh, the arena. There is movement within players coming back. And there's movement within the league, so we'll we'll give you the deets on that. And we have Anthony Sanfilippo, who is going to be joining us. He is a uh, pretty pretty big deal uh, in the Philly area. He's going to be walking us through Hockey Ocalypse Philadelphia. So uh, that's that's gonna. I think that's a pretty good episode, buddy. Yeah, what about you? I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So um, that being said, you know, Caps fans. We've got merch. Please buy our stuff. It's up here on the screen, as you can see, those of you who are tuning in to the actual video. Um, and, you know, it's it's a great website. We've got lots of good stuff. I think uh, you guys would like it. And really, you just want to get your collector's items now before we become ultra famous so that you can say, hey. I knew these guys before they were ultra famous. Yeah, you can get your uh, your hipster on. <laughs> also, Hockey Troll made his logo available in other colors. Oh, so yeah. if you uh, want something other than his purple, you can get pretty much any color. Yes, absolutely. So lots of stuff there. Check it out. Link is in the bio. Let us know what you think. So... Polly, oh man! I mean, you got anything else? Any any interesting news that's happening to you? You you have a house now, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, How does that feel? It's it's nice being a homeowner. Feels good. Uh, I'll check back in once I have my first real big problem to deal with. <laughs> yeah, the honeymoon phase is short, buddy. Yeah. Just 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 so you know, eventually you're gonna hate it, just like everything else in in life. Yeah, starts <laughs> out great, end up hating it. Uh, I think the only thing that literally hasn't been like that for me is hockey. Yeah, <laughs> that's a it's a sad existence that we that I that I I exist in. Well, you know, things in life change. Just because it's not as exciting as the beginning doesn't mean it's not worth having. There you go. That's great relationship advice, too, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. Well, I mean, we gotta we gotta keep this short because we got this interview coming up. You want to just uh, get right into it? Yeah. One, two, three. All right. So, Caps fans, big news: Vegas has been named one of the hub cities for the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I would assume that that would be the Western city. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I don't know what it's going to do for the economy. Obviously it's going to benefit catering services and hotels. Um, other than that though, I mean, it seems like a pretty good arena. It's not going to matter much without fans. Brand new. Right. I mean, I guess as 
for that aspect of it, like, it's funny you bring that up because I didn't even think of that. That, yeah, the arena is brand fucking new. So this is going to be great for the players, I guess. But I feel like the ice is going to be the same. It's going to be NHL quality ice. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the new arena primarily benefits the, the viewer, the the audience member, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's probably got like the the most updated sound situation. Um, and, you know, they're going to have, I, I would hope they're just going to like pump out games back to back. Right. Like, there's really no, I mean, maybe it'll pull, they'll show one West, one East, but uh, hopefully they have more than just two NHL like caliber uh, locker rooms. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't even think of that. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they have facilities and whatnot. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's probably going to be like an hour or two between games. Yeah. So that there's time to like go in. And if there is the reuse of rooms that in quick succession, that they're going to clean them. Yeah. I mean, I think the best way to do it, say they have like a four game Saturday, they should show East, West, East, West. Right. That way they can clean and all that stuff. But, you know, they're talking about where they're going to play. So it's another step in the right direction. Right. And they've literally said Vegas is going to be it. So that's half of the battle. Now they just have to find out the other hub city, which, um, you know, obviously for the Caps, T-Mobile Arena is, is a great site since we won a cup there. <laughs> uh, right. But, um, and they're the only team using it. Right. There's they, no other pro team. Yeah. There's, there's no basketball team. Yeah. So that probably factored in. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, according to John, oh man, Katzelmedis? 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 That's a name. Katzelmedis. I'm probably butchering that. Sorry, John, of the Las Vegas Review Journal added that the MGM Resorts International is keeping several hotels off the market to house all the players. Uh, the two likely destinations for the teams are the Ver- Verata Hotel and the Delano, as uh, as the NHL has asked for non-gaming, non-smoking hotels, which makes sense. Probably was hard to find a five-star that was non-gaming, non-smoking. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um so, but I mean, dude, it's, it's Sin City. It's, it's, if you're not into gaming and smoking, that's okay. You can go, I don't know, hire a prostitute, whatever you want. Well, actually <laughs> anywhere in Vegas, besides, anywhere in Nevada besides Vegas. Oh, is that the rule? I think it's legal throughout the state, just not in that city. Hmm. Not to say that it doesn't still happen. Right. Last time I was in Vegas, um, I was like young not not far from uh far from an adult and people were just handing out like naked pictures of women to call it's like their business card right yeah yeah like tons of them dude like yeah stacks of thousands of them so that was definitely an escort service and you know i guess escort services aren't technically illegal if you're just gonna go out and have a drink and have Mm. some companionship yeah (laughs) if you're paying for the date and something else happens that's that's kind of their pitch, right? I guess, and I guess that's that's a way to get get around the law. But I mean, who knows? Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. The official uh, 
naming of the NHL postseason uh, hub city is supposed to be finalized, the other one, by June 22nd. So hold on to your butts, Caps fans. It's coming soon. Um, they'll probably announce it sooner, uh, according to so- to our sources, so that teams can do travel plans and everything, because the beginning of actual camp will be on July 10th. So within the next month, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to see hockey. We're going to see some sort of practice stuff. In fact, for the Caps, we've already seen it, right, Polly? I mean, Ovi was down in um, Pembroke Pines in Florida, skating with uh, with some with a pr- pretty nice beer league squad, if I might say myself. Uh, he was out there with uh, Shesterskin, Dadanov, Jess defenseman Kulikov, Avalanche defenseman Zadorov, retired Penguins defenseman. Kasparitis. That's that's he's, a name you haven't heard in a while. He's got to be like fifty by now. Yeah, he probably still he's he probably still wheel. You know, uh, he's probably bodying dudes. <laughs> Finnish league defenseman um, Vladimir Denisov and former Duck Senators uh, forward Peter Schlatzlivy. Livy Schlatzlivy. Um, a lot of Europeans they love their Florida. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, that's that's all great news to see Ovi out there. He had a, a good goal. Uh, I believe a couple D1 college players were also on scene, so that must have been a fucking experience for them. Yeah. Um, so, all good stuff. Yeah, the he, other, looked, he looked good skating. He did. Yeah. He did. Um, you know, obviously, he was taking it easy and cherry-picking like a motherfucker, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much all the practice video that comes out of him, though. Yeah. He cherry picks so bad at practice. <laughs> he's he's taken that out of his game a lot, but it looks like at practice he's like, I don't care. Right. It's still fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, other cities that are still being considered are Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, L.A., Minneapolis, Pittsburgh, and Vancouver. And the way that this article was written, it looks like both cities could potentially be in one hemisphere of the United States. Which, I mean, that really doesn't matter that much. Right, because um, spectators aren't there. I think Vancouver or Edmonton could be good options because they're, I mean, I know they're, they've are they got big metropolitan areas, but they're kind of like away from, you know, like Vancouver's over on the island. I'm not super familiar, but, right. you know, Vancouver's over on the west. They're away. They're not like Toronto or Chicago. Right. And Edmonton, you know. I think they're pretty much just them out in the middle. <laughs> in the but, north. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and, and it's funny that you bring up Toronto because reports are coming in that say that Toronto is the target for the eastern city. And, you know, of course it is, right, NHL. But at the same time, I'm just happy it's not going to be Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I just, I think L.A. and Toronto would be bad picks because they're just like. Heavily populated. He- yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, as far as the Caps go, though, uh, I don't know if we mentioned it, but McMichael, this old Connor McMichael guy, he might be getting uh, a bit of postseason time as a Black Diamond. He's definitely been, if the if the NHL rules are like normal playoff rules where the cap is no longer a thing um, and you can have basically an unlimited roster, he's probably going to be at least a Black Diamond backup. He might get some reps. Yeah, especially, you know, Leipzig's out of the lineup mm-hmm. now. So it at least opens the, the door for opportunity. 
Right. So there's going to be, we're going to be able, it's, it's going to be almost like a new season sort of for the, for the bottom six, because we're going to be able to see some guys that probably didn't get a lot of playing time previous. And I think that, I think that if the playoffs went anyways, I think that because of the season that McMichael has had, he'll probably, he would probably have gotten just at least like a nice little attaboy and been called up. Because mm-hmm. at this point, his junior season would have been over during the playoffs and, and just had him. They're doing it more and more. You know, you saw that with Quinn Hughes and McCarr. Um, yeah. They're just, I feel like they're they're going to, it's going to keep happening, you know, and, and these guys get experience before they're rookies. Right. So, like, you can win a cup one year and then be, be a, a Calder winner the next year. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. And, and so, yes, I, I mean, like you said, and when when you say there's you're seeing it more often, you're seeing more rookies come up during yeah, playoffs. Like once their college or junior season ends, yeah, it's it's like uh, you know it's kind of like with the World Championships, guys get eliminated from the playoffs and then they go play right. for Team USA. It's just you know different league, but same same concept. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So. The big dates here are going to be the 22nd of June, where they're going to come out and find the other hub city, and July 10th, when camp starts. Now, lots of European players who need visas, they have been told, come now, get here now, get this all this bureaucracy out of the way, uh, don't drag your feet. Mm-hmm. I'm... I'm anxious to see if there's going to be any, you know, Samsonov is one of those players. I'm anxious, I'm hoping there's going to be no complications getting him back into the country. And probably around the league, there's going to be some headaches with the logistics of that. But I'm hoping that everybody gets here by the time the season starts. Absolutely. That would uh, that'd be a bit of an embarrassment for professional hockey if they had to <laughs> put all these plans on hold because they were struggling to get guys back in the country. Yeah. And I don't think um, they would even put... I think there's enough people here that they would not put plans on hold for it. So you're yeah. just going to get screw your team. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, one, one last thing before we get to your showcase at the Washington wraparound, Michael Kempney nominated for a Masterson, uh, which is the comeback player of the year. As you know, Caps fans, or maybe if you don't, he tore a hamstring, uh, last season. And then basically for the whole six months after that, he was out and through the off season, he recovered and did a lot of PT, had surgery three three weeks, I think, after surgery. He was up and about walking, worked his way back into the lineup and uh, played a pretty strong, had a decent season paired with John Carlson for the majority of the time until the pause. So he is, um, he, he's nominated for a Masterson. The only other capital no, who, nominee to win the Masterson was Jose Theodore in 2010, when he uh, had one of the best seasons of his career following a tragic uh, incident with his son, uh, Chase, dying in 2009 from complications of a premature birth. So that's super sad, and and I didn't even know that. We were doing the outline pre-episode, and I didn't know that. Did you? No. No. uh, Was it Leonard who won last year, uh, fighting through his, his fight with addiction? Yeah, and I think Bobby Ryan will probably win it this year. Yeah. 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 So, but in any case, great to see Kempney getting a little out of boy for his for his accolades here, having yeah. a, a decent season, coming off. I mean, t- tearing a hamstring is a rare 
uh, occurrence anyways. Like you really have to fuck yourself up to do that. And the and, fact that it required surgery just right. shows how, I mean, a lot of times that's just like a rest recovery, mm-hmm. but he did it bad enough to need surgery. So that sounds pretty nasty. Yeah. It probably was completely separated. Yeah. Which that's crazy because yeah. the hamstrings the tightest muscle in your body. It hurts talking about it. Yeah. That would, I don't even, I don't even ever want to, I don't even want to think mm-hmm. about that pain. So, <laughs> um, but anything else before, uh, before we get into the, what should wrap around there, Polly? I don't think so. All right, well, let's do it. Take her away there, cupcakes. And I hope you're going to mention one of the MVPs of, of four-legged MVPs huh, before yeah. we get going. So uh, the NHL Fan Awards were, were given out. All the voting came back. And among the winners from the Capitals was Captain, won the best dog in the league. Right. Uh, and that was a fucking no-brainer, people. Yeah. Like, come on. I mean, come on. He's he's a gorgeous golden retriever. Yeah. Uh, him and Ovi are buddies. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, right. Right. Yeah. So, that was pretty great. We love Captain here. So He's the man. He is. Um, the dog man. We also love Ovi the Bulldog. Shoot, shout out to Ovi. Right. The original dog mascot yeah he was the caps unofficial for a while until caps got an official but we still love him right we, we love right. ovi yeah o- ovi the bulldog's og for yeah sure. he's a stud <laughs> uh so we're gonna get back into highlighting a former or current capital uh, this week we're gonna talk about current capital lars eller uh, you know, he was, he's one of the best trades the Capitals have ever gotten. I'm pretty sure Hockey Troll has said that he was the linchpin to yes. the Stanley Cup. Right. So Lars Eller gets traded two years later, he wins a cup with us or gets traded to us. And then two years later, he gets, he gets a cup with us. He filled a, a glaring weakness that we had tried to cover so many times with better defensemen better, even centers. Uh, what we needed was a solid third-line center to back up the two top centers that we generally had on the team, whether it be Backstrom, Kuznetsov, or Ribeiro, or, I mean, Marcus Johansson, you know, just didn't cut it. He was a winger uh, that, that played center. And, you know, Lars Eller comes in. He's a, he's a true center, comes in, and... You know, during the, the cup run, I mean, when Backstrom went down, he fell in perfectly, had points, contributed offensively, and was responsibly defensively. Truly, I think that if without Lars Eller, I don't know if we win the cup in 18. You know, and this just crossed my mind while you were talking. I think this might be why we were finally able to get by Pittsburgh, because Pittsburgh always has three good centers. Right. And that was probably the difference maker in that 10 year span where they couldn't get by him. Right. And adding Lars Eller helped keep the game even. Sure. Like, when and the, then when our all, depth paid it off. Right. right. And, and here, the thing that you have to think about here is that the, it was infuriating year after year when McPhee would, would not go for a third line center. He would, get a defenseman or, you know, I don't know, 
trade away a great winger for Martin Erat. Uh, you know, and not to not to completely shit on McPhee here, um, but it was a problem years in a row that we knew we needed, and to finally get that third line center was just so clutch. And you can see, two years later, got integrated into the system, started feeling himself, and. You you get you see what Lars Eller has done and and obviously you know game winning Stanley Cup goal and if I remember <laughs> correctly you were extremely optimistic about this trade when it happened oh yeah I've been I've been on the Lars Eller train since it happened I was surprised and pumped I don't even remember who we gave up for what was it, it was, Lotta it was two draft picks Lotta and oh is that it yeah we didn't send anybody no. Okay. So let's get into him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Lars Eller, he is a Dane, Danish. He is from Denmark. Uh, he grew up in Denmark. When he was 16, he went to Sweden. And I think he's the only Dane who's ever won a cup. Well, if you know. would look at the outline, you, oh. you know, that'd be coming later on. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. I'll you keep, you keep like, saying stuff that I'm ready to say. <laughs> Um, so at 16, he went up to Sweden and played in that club system, pro hockey, um, up until he joined the blues in 2009. So he was drafted 13th overall in the first round by the blues in 2007. So he spent another year in Sweden and then came to the United States and he spent the majority of his rookie year in Peoria. Uh, playing for the Rivermen of the AHL in Illinois, which the Peoria Rivermen, they used to be in the ECHL. And then they went to the AHL. And most recently, they were an SPHL team. The Southern? Yeah, that's below the ECHL. So that town has been able to keep a hockey team, but obviously the interest has shifted over the years. Right. Um, They were actually, you know... Us being in, in Wheeling, Wheeling Nailers, that was one of the bigger rivalries I remember as a kid. It was the Rivermen and the Johnstown Chiefs. Hmm. Uh, so he played 70 games for them that year, and he made the AHL all-rookie team. He played seven games for St. Louis, uh, and his first uh, – oh, not – First, I'm going to, he's the first born, raised, and trained in Denmark to be selected in the first round. So he has another first coming up later in the outline. <laughs> um, November 9th, 2009, that's when he got his first NHL goal in, a, in his first NHL game. It was a 2-1 to one loss in overtime against Calgary. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was a Dion Phaneuf goal that beat them, so... I know Dion Phaneuf is a very polarizing character. <laughs> uh, June seventeenth, two thousand ten, he was trading. He was traded to Montreal, where he spent six seasons. While in Montreal, on January fourth, two thousand twelve, he had his first NHL hat trick against the Jets, which left him with four goals on a five point night. Ooh. That's a pretty good game. Um, two thousand twelve. That would have been. One of the first seasons in Winnipeg, wouldn't it? Yeah. It was because, yeah, they haven't been around 10 years, I don't think. Um, June 24, 2016, he he was traded to the Capitals for two second-round picks, and they were in uh, 2017 and 2018. 
draft. What a deal. Yeah, right? It's a steal right there. Yeah. He had his first goal as a capital on October 22nd, 2016 in a 4-2 loss to the Rangers. And then on June 7th, 2018, with 7 minutes and 37 seconds remaining in the third period, he scored the Stanley Cup clinching goal in Game 5 to give Washington its first ever Stanley Cup. That also made him the first Danish-born player to win the Stanley Cup. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, first one to go in the first round, first one to win the Cup. Uh, I'm pretty sure his day with the Cup was in Denmark. Where he wore a lederhosen. Yeah. (laughs) Which is sweet. Yeah. Yeah. so, you know, he's been definitely one of the best trades, especially during the OVU era. Yeah, and, you know, you, you can talk Oshi, great trade, uh, but we gave up some assets. And then, I mean, for two second-round picks to Montreal, it's in in 17 and 18, you know, those are good, good for Montreal. I mean, it was a win-win, but I think that, the trade was lopsided in the Caps' favor there to get proven Lars Eller, who eventually goes on to win the Stanley Cup for the for the Washington Capitals in that pivotal moment with what a seven goal minutes. It was. Yeah, and just nose to the net, and that's the great thing about Lars Eller is that he's a big dude, a good skater, defensively sound, isn't afraid to bang, but really just has a good hockey IQ, knows his teammates, knows where the puck's going to be. And I think that's one of his strengths. You know, he's, uh, other than that, I mean, he, he's a threat, a threat everywhere, yeah. right? I mean, he can make plays and he can finish. So, I mean, I love Lars Eller. I, 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 he is, um, like I said, I mean, you can't, I think that he is the unsung hero. He's the one that flies under the radar. He's not, you know, a highlight reel guy, but he does his job. He does his job well. And, Hard work pays off, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're talking Con Smythe, I think it was fair to give it to Ovi. But yeah. uh, Kuznetsov was an, it was an easy second place. And mm-hmm. I'd say Lars Eller was number three. Yeah, just for the fact that how he stepped up for Backstrom yeah. during the run. So, absolutely. So, what's his NHL totals? And, and this is this is crazy because you look at his NHL totals and, and he doesn't fly off the page as a as a uh, standout player, I guess, right? So Yeah, I mean, when, when when you look at his numbers, I'd say they're very third line. Uh, he's played 754 regular season games with 132 goals and 162 assists for a 294 points total and 460 penalty minutes. Uh, I mean, that that's like quintessential third line right there. <laughs> Right, that's a strong third-line center. It is. And then in the playoffs, he's played 81 games, 14 goals, 30 assists for 44 points in 56 minutes, penalty minutes. So he obviously performs uh, in clutch situations because he's averaging over a point a game, in or over half a point a game in right. his playoff career, which are much better m- numbers than his regular season career. Right, and... You know, that just goes to show how much coaching staffs have 
relied on him. He gets more minutes in the playoffs, you know. Yeah. Uh, and 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 in the regular season, through the through the grind of an eighty-two game season, you know, you're getting scattered minutes. And on top of that, you got to look at the two centers above him: Backstrom right. and Kuznetsov. I mean, two world-class future Hall of Famers, most likely. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned a lot, but if there's one thing I've learned from sports, you've got your guys that aren't the highlight guys, and they're not the ones who bring the fans to the game, but they're the ones that the coaches rely on. Yep. They're the ones that you can stick in when shit gets dirty, and they don't always have the numbers, but when you need them, they do the job. Absolutely. And that's Lars Eller. Yep. Absolutely. No doubt. And played such played such played and plays such a pivotal role on the Washington Capitals squad. So Lars, if you're hearing this, we love you. Come on the pod. Let's talk hockey. Oh, we'd love it. <laughs> that would be sick. That'd be sick. I mean, we've had Kolzig on, so that's a pretty high echelon we're already at, you know. We're we're legit here, folks, at the Caps Turf Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. But uh uh all right, Polly, what do you what do you got? Anything else? Uh, no, that's all we got this week for the Caps. Um, Absolutely. Let's keep it moving. Yeah. So we do have to give a little shout out to our sponsors, manscaped.com. The lawnmower 3.0 is out right now and it is designed for groin grooming, has skin safe technology and is waterproof. You can use it in the shower. That's where I use it. And, uh, you know, it's it's a chargeable. It's it's like cordless. Obviously, has a light on it. It's a pretty sweet product. Uh, I I love the packaging and everything on it. I mean, from top to bottom, this thing has been pretty sweet, right, Polly? Yeah, it's it's great, eh? Top yeah. of the line, no doubt. Um, go to manscape.com. Use code THPN. Get twenty percent off and free shipping. And, uh, you know, I guess thank us later for that. Remember, manscaped.com, use code THPN, and get 20% off plus free shipping. Your significant other will thank you. And that's what counts, right, Polly? Absolutely. <laughs> What's well, your no. wife think of the Manscaped? Does she, <laughs> well, you use it on your dog and yourself, so does she use it too? Is this like a community <laughs> razor? We'll just knock it into that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's better than whatever random trimmer you're going to find on, on the shelf at stores. When you're trying to save a buck and grab that $7 trimmer, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. You want the lawnmower 3.0. It's the best there is. You can save some money by using our code. You know, just don't don't drop the ball on this. Don't miss your opportunity. Right, Absolutely. Uh, you know, and again, like I said, thank us later for for all of the uh, painless shaving escapades that you will have. But until then, we've got the interview with Anthony Sanfilippo. He is going to do Hockey Ocalypse Philadelphia. They have a podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network called Snow the Goalie. Him and uh, Russ Joy do it, so. Uh, he's verified on Twitter. He's, you know, he actually does media. He's like a, a real journalist. So, um, you know, again, out of our league. Yeah. <laughs> we just keep overperforming. Right. Right. Absolutely. We're, we're Lars Eller. 
Yeah, yeah. We're 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 playing a we're playing above roster strength, I'd say, for sure. So <laughs> hope you guys enjoy Hockeyocalypse Philadelphia. Hockeyocalypse. This time we have Anthony Sanfilippo from Snow the Goalie Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. He's one half of the hosts there, um, and he is repping the Philadelphia Flyers. Anthony, man, thanks a lot for coming on, first of all, because it's it was a last-minute ask. And second of all, because we have we have interacted before and we recorded an incredible hour plus long episode that I completely botched and uh, did not did not record somehow with with my and I figured it out. It was a technical issue, but but yeah, we lost. Well, the I whole hope thing. I hope we're recording now. We we okay here? This <laughs> we is are. good. Polly, you can see it, right? Confirm yeah, that I'm it, doing my job. It is recording. Okay. He started taking okay. some notes down, and I whispered, uh, "Are you going to hit record?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so fool me doing, once, man? shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you, right? Isn't that what it is? Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for the second chance here. Um, yeah, no problem, anytime. Yeah, so, so Caps fans, Anthony's a, a big deal, a bit of a big deal here in the Philadelphia market. Uh, tons of, uh, tons of, I guess, journalistic experience, as we said in the, in the intro in our, on our episode that, uh, he's actually the real deal and us, us regular slobs are just kind of, just fan podcasters. Is, is that, well, I mean, is that I, accurate? I, well, I, I mean, I guess it's correct, right? I mean, I've been covering the team for 20 seasons now. Um, but I, like you guys, I mean, I grew up here in Philly. And until I was covering the team, in which I started in 2000, up until that point, I was just as rabid a fan as anyone else. Um, used to yell at the TV, used to go down to the games and, you know, bang on the glass and scream <laughs> for fights and things like that. So I did all that stuff, too. I just became, you know, desensitized to it as a member of the media. That's all. <laughs> well, so real quick, uh, this just popped in my head. As a Philly guy, can you yeah. confirm that they do hold court at Philadelphia Eagle games? They used to. They used to at when they had Veterans Stadium. Absolutely was a thing. Um, there was a, a famous judge in Philadelphia. His name was Seamus McCaffrey, and he would hold court. They would arrest people for public drunkenness, for fighting, for urinating in public, whatever, whatever stupid stuff the you know the uh, Philadelphia Eagles fans did. And rather than just put them in the holding cell and, and wait for the police to show up and transfer them elsewhere for their court, they set up a court right in the basement of Veterans Stadium and had that take place there. And he would you know levy their fines and everything else. That way, they didn't waste time. And have to go down uh, down to Center City for the for their court hearing. Um, that went away when they built the new stadium in 2003, uh, but it did exist from I'd say like 97, 98 till they built the new stadium for like five years. They actually had that courthouse right there in the stadium. That's awesome. And with the with the fans who just did minor things that you like you just listed that were just like drunken and talk dr- drunken public and yeah urinated. Would they get to go back to the game? No, no, that was the one thing. If you got, if you were getting dragged out, you were getting dragged out. So you weren't, you weren't allowed to go back in, but it was, it changed, you know, it was, it was usually pre uh, the court, they would lock, throw you in like a holding cell 
and then you just sat there for however long it took the Philadelphia police to decide to come pick you up and take you down uh, downtown to the roundhouse for your little court hearing. And so that would suck. Like that would right. take several hours, right? It would really, really be bad. This way it was kind of expedited. I mean, yeah, you couldn't <laughs> go back into the game, but you could probably be back out with tailgating with your friends and catch, you know, the second half of the game <laughs> from and have a beer out in the parking lot <laughs> with your $50 fine or whatever it is that you got. Everybody wins. Right. Ex- exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah, because the government had to, uh, the Philadelphia government there had to had to at least save a ton of money, right? It just yes, a gas ab- alone. Absolutely, <laughs> yes, they did. They said, "Hey, how do you think the city came up with some of the money that went into two new stadiums that were built a year apart <laughs> for for the Eagles and the Phillies?" Right, the I mean, shining they, citizens of Philadelphia. That's how. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, you know, I've I've had a great time talking with you in the past, and and. And, uh, you know, it just, uh, I'll be honest, I've been, Polly, I've been lazy with the setup of this pod recently, starting a new job and stuff. And, and so, um, yeah, uh, again, thanks a lot for coming on. But, man, what 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 were the Philadelphia Flyers pre-pause? Because I feel like of all the teams, the Philadelphia Flyers probably have the most to bitch about when it comes to COVID. Yeah, well, it's funny because the the episode that you forgot to record, um, <laughs> if I remember correctly, I went on there and we were when we recorded that. I think we were fifteen games left in the regular season, or somewhere in that range, fifteen to eighteen games left. Yeah, and we were I close, yeah. and I came on the sh- the show and said the way that the Flyers are playing, as well as they're playing right now, and it surprised even me. You know, I I would never have predicted it at the beginning of the season, but the way that they were playing at that moment. I felt they were going to win the Metropolitan Division, that they were playing such good hockey at that point. Now, I didn't, I didn't look at them and say, even though they were playing that well, I think you, your <clears throat> talent eventually takes over at some point. And I, I kind of felt like there was an, a limit to where they could go in the playoffs. I felt like they could get, you know, in that moment, they could get to the conference final. Um, I, I didn't see a way that they could beat Boston or Tampa. I think those teams were a little bit too talented for the Flyers, but I felt like the Flyers could make it out of the Metro. Sure. Now, and this is not to say that they can't still do it. I still think that they're a very good team, but the everything's level now, right? So when we come back right. at the beginning of August, or last week of July, beginning of August, whenever it is that they're going to play, um, it, everybody's on the same footing. And, you know, I think that the Flyers are the team that probably hurts the most because they were pretty healthy when that was happening. And all these yes. other teams had these injuries. And so now all of a sudden, everybody's going to be healthy. Everybody's on the same page. There is no momentum. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because now I think everybody's kind of, I think Washington and Pittsburgh and, well, Pittsburgh's got to play in the, the play in round. But, um, you know, I think Columbus is a team we've got to be careful of in the East. Uh, sure. Carolina, these guys getting healthy. Uh, the Rangers getting their goalie back scary is to me is scary. Right. Um, you know, in that situation. So I think that there's a lot of things that can happen in a tournament three months after you've last played your or four months after you've last played your last game. That's going to change. That could change everything. So I'm not as confident now as in the Flyers going into the playoffs. Are they good enough to win a couple rounds? Yeah, but I. I I, I think that the other teams behind them have kind of caught up because of the of the layoff. Absolutely. So now, and and here's a question: Do you think that the Flyers during their peak before the pause were playing 
to their roster strength, i.e. saying that they were underperforming throughout the regular season, or were they playing above their roster strength, i.e. they were just on fire in those last 20 games before the, for the pause? How, how that's would you a great, say it? that's a great question. And, and it, you know, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, Hey, the flyers are going to go get really hot in February and March, and they're going to climb, you know, to within a point of first place against, you know, behind Washington. And they're going to win all these games in a row. I've been like, yeah, they're overperforming. There's no doubt about it. But w- <laughs> what I think is the thing here is, um, I think Elaine Vigneault as the coach, he's probably the the leader in the clubhouse for the Jack Adams Award. I, I think he's going to get it. Um, what he's done that is that is so has made such a difference. Him and his staff is they figured out a system that works for the talent that they have. It doesn't sure. mean that they're the best. It doesn't make them the best team uh, or most. I shouldn't say that. It doesn't make them the most talented team, but it makes them playing the best. They were playing the best version of the game for the talent that they had of any team in the NHL. Uh, and that includes teams out West too. I, I really believe that what Vino had them doing now, a lot could have changed. And again, here's another thing. Like I, teams don't really have that much time to prepare from game to game. You look at the tape, you, you spend like a day or two. If you have a couple of days before the game, you kind of try and figure out the other team. How can we, you know, what can we do to adjust? The difference is now is teams have had all this time and coaches have been working. Don't you've got to know that the coaches have still been working on looking at tape, looking at everything, potential matchups. So sure. It's not like the. It's not like the Flyers are suddenly going to, you know, still be surprising people. Everybody's going to know what they were doing, so right. it's going to be interesting to see can they then even make tweaks and changes to the way they were playing at their best to accommodate for the fact that teams now know how they're playing and still be as successful. And I think that's the big question that's going to be lying ahead for the Flyers once this restart happens. And that's what good coaches do. They they find a system that works for their players because. Mm-hmm. They all have NHL talent, and so figuring out what works for your team is what really, you know, sets these coaches apart and keeps them in a job. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing when you look at when you look at the Flyers, there's no doubt, and I, I will say this even now, their best player is Claude Giroux. He's a future Hall of Famer. Okay, the guy's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Here's the thing. He was not playing great hockey this season. He right. was behind, like this season. There were four or five other guys playing better hockey than Claude Giroux. So to think that the Flyers were where they were without Giroux really being their best player in this season is really indicative of the coaching staff finding a system that worked for the players that they had. I mean, it's, so, so I look at it and I say Sean Couturier was probably their most important player this season um he's probably going to win the selkie i mean he's the favorite i would think that he's probably going to get it yeah um, i'd agree with I that th- yeah and i think ivan provorov had a really big bounce back after a bad year last year and was playing top level defense with a guy you guys are familiar with down with the caps um uh matt niskanen was was really good i mean he's he been was. really good for the flyers um so like that pairing was important. And of course, the goaltending tandem, Hart and Elliot, while they weren't lighting the world on fire, they were good enough 
to keep the Flyers, you know, in games and even steal a game or two here and there. So those those were the players that were most important. Of course, Konechny had a little bit of a breakout and stuff like that. But those players mattered more than Giroux. And so now you get you get Giroux some time off, you get him healthy. Maybe you can find a way to get back to centering the, your offense through him. Sure. And and maybe that's the change that you make that, that teams aren't expecting you to make to be a little bit different. So who knows? So I think that that's going to be an interesting dynamic. And that's why I'm looking forward to those play in or those round robin games uh, for the top four seeds, because the seeding ultimately doesn't really matter. But I think right. it really what's really going to matter is to say, let's see what these teams look like and really kind of make an have an idea of which of these four teams can really make that push to get all the way to the final. Right. Because I mean, in the round round Robin, the the top four teams are essentially going to have probably it. Well, they have the potential to have the least amount of games played uh, because it's going to be a series of five for, for the play in. So, right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I get what you're saying. You kind of have this short ex- a window to, to really show off what you have and maybe even hide something in those three games to, to get seating. So, and, and well, really- I think, and I don't, I don't want to hijack your, your question here, but I, like, I think that that's what you were just about to say, I think is, is an interesting dynamic because like these, these games are going to be played in empty arenas right. at neutral site, at a neutral site. So really what's the difference between being the one seed and the four seed? Like, it doesn't matter. You're not playing in your home rink. You're not playing in front of your fans. Right. So do these teams look at those three games as do they take them so serious as to say we really want to be the number one seed or do they look at it as let's try a few things let's play with some combinations some lines some pairings let's see if somebody's healthy and wants to get you know that hasn't played in a while give them an opportunity to play so can we count on them in the quarterfinals when we get to there do they use it as for for that almost as tune-ups or do they take them take them more seriously so like I, i'm curious to see how these eight teams the four in the east and the four in the west really attack those three games because ultimately they're like exhibition games in, in all right. honesty yeah no and, and i agree and, and uh we're gonna see connor mcmichael who's been lighting it up in the o i believe and he mm-hmm. he's gonna come in and and i feel like if we're gonna see connor mcmichael he is going to be in the first three games that's the exactly. i feel like as a, if if i were coaching that's what i do obviously i'm not coaching but you know that's where I would see. Are you guys picking up anybody that that maybe is a prospect from juniors who who's going to get a shot, or or you're just going to have the roster? I don't think they're going to. No, I I think I mean there's guys that you know that they like. I mean, but I think you had, you know, the the pro, the big prospect I think that's going to be get a shot there in those three games is Morgan Frost. Yes. Um, but Morgan Frost was playing in the AHL. He was already he has already aged you know aged out of, of junior. He's 20 years old. Right. He's a bona fide um, so pro. I think, uh, yeah, I think Morgan Frost will get an opportunity to be with the team, you know, with those expanded rosters. So I think he's going to be the primary prospect, quote unquote, who's going to get a, get a chance. Um, but other than that, I, I think that they're, the Flyers are going to look at it and say, we're going to add a couple of our AHL veteran defensemen who have NHL experience, that they're going to be like the, you know, the extra guys. So we have depth on defense. I think you look at Frost and maybe like one or two other guys who, you know, who've been up and down all, all season up until the, the pause. I think, and I think that's it. I mean, I don't think that they're going to try and add any other young kids who don't really have the NHL experience because three games is probably not, not enough time to see if they're worth it for, right. you know, a playoff run. 
kind of just give him a attaboy for and I think that the reason that they're bringing up Connor McMichael for the Caps is is because it's a bit of an attaboy. You had a great OHL season. You had a great junior season. Here's what it looks like to be a pro. They're, he's probably going to spend a year in the A and figure things out at least. Right. So you know, it. I think it's more of a, a cookie. But um, I mean, all good. I mean, who, who knows? He might come out and score a hundred goals, which would be great. But right, you know, very unlikely. Um, and you know, just touching on on Niskin in there, man. I am so I. What a season he has had for the Flyers, and I am kind of upset that we. I think that the Caps really undervalued him when they let him go. Well, what do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, so the way I looked at it, and you know, when the Flyers made made a few moves in the summer, and two of the moves that they made were trading for Matt Niskanen and trading for Justin Braun uh, to shore up the blue line, and. Right. A lot of people in town were upset with both trades. They felt like the Flyers were overpaying for guys who were just, you know, veteran players who were not top tier defensemen. Um, but I, and, and while I didn't think that the Braun trade was the greatest, and he's turned out to be fine, right. I, I liked the Niskanen deal. Um, you know, the big complaint was, well, we're, we're taking on some of Radko Gudis's salary. But I looked at it and said, Matt Niskanen is a year off, just one year. When that trade was made, it was made in June of last year. It was one calendar year away from being the top pair defenseman for the Stanley Cup champions, right? I mean, you guys, right. when the Caps won the Cup in 18, he was top pair yes. um, in the playoffs. So, yeah, okay, he had a little bit of a down year in 18, 19. There's no doubt about it. But you don't just you, – you don't have that kind of career than have one kind of down year and say, oh, okay, that's it. He's off. He's falling off the table. You got to assume that, that he can get back to where he was just 12 months prior. So that's why I liked the trade that they, that the Flyers made to get Niskan. And yeah, it looks like the Caps did undervalue him because he's been sensational. Like I, I, you know, we do a voting. We vote for, um, uh, they give out awards for the Flyers. And one of the ones that they give out is called the Barry Ashby Trophy, named after a defenseman from their first Stanley Cup team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, th- there's no doubt Provorov's going to get it. But I, I put Niskin in second, and the reason I did is because Provorov doesn't have the season he has without being paired with Matt Niskin. Sure. Um, and, and the other thing about Niskin is he's a great locker room guy. Like, he's right. a good, good leader for this team. I mean, you know, he doesn't wear a letter, but he's, he's one of those guys who's, you know, really taken a lot of the young defensemen under his wing and really kind of, you know, taken on that role, and he's embraced it. And, and, and he's and he's great for us. I mean, as media, we go in there and talk to him, and he can break it down, and he's not afraid to tell you what went wrong or, you know, what's going right. I mean, even so, I mean, it's, you know, he's been he's been probably. I mean, Kevin Hayes has been a big addition uh, to this team in the off season, but sure. I, I think Niskanen is probably one A as far as the important players that were brought in this year. Yeah, and that's that's his role. He's just so under the radar, and but but just a, a I guess a silent. Well, I mean, in I don't. I mean, he's just a low key contributor in that in that sense. And and it's funny that you have that outlook because honestly, I think that most of Caps media, Caps fans were like, he's done. That's the end mm-hmm. of his career. He won the cup. He's he's over it. Whatever, whatever that may be. And um, that he's he's gone out and proven him wrong. So. While I hate the trade, I'm glad for the player in that. And he's, that a, he's a good guy. Like we had yeah. him on, we had him on the pod, um, just before, I wouldn't say just before, maybe it was in uh, late January, early February. Um, 
so we had him on and he was great. I mean, he told some great stories uh, where he's from in, in Minnesota is the same town as the Hanson brothers. And so how he <laughs> talked about how growing up, like he got to know them and they became like good family friends. And, and like, he had some really great stories that he was telling from his time with both with Pittsburgh and, and Dallas and then Washington before coming to Philly. And it's like, Man, this guy's like, where, where's he, where, where have we been that we haven't realized that he's this good of a guy and this good of a, a player for this team that it took us half a year to kind of recognize it. So, um, yeah, no, Niskanen's been great. And, you know, I would guarantee you that everybody in that room would, would sit there and say he's been one of the biggest, if not the biggest difference for us as far as our defense for uh, this season. Absolutely. And I love that you're just name dropping that, that you're getting all these guys, man. And, and that's what Caps fans, this is what we were talking about. Uh, yeah. Uh, obviously snow, the goalie pod gets a ton of, you know, current and X. I mean, I saw you guys had Mike Knubel on, so that's, that's incredible. You know, X cap there obviously spent a lot of time in Philly though. Um, but, uh, moving on the, the, this tournament, you've been covering hockey, uh, legitimately for 20 years. This tournament is unlike anything you've ever seen, correct? Correct. It, it's going to it's going to compare to me. It's going to be a lot like I don't want to say the Olympics, but more like it's going to be more like the um, when they used to have the World Cup of Hockey, if you guys remember that, um, which they haven't had in several years. But right. it used to be the one that would start the season, right? The Olympics mm-hmm. was always you would always have mid season, but these when the, when the Olympics would happen. Those teams, those players were in hockey shape. They were, they've been playing for months, but the World Cup was always played before the season started. So it was always in September. So you had these guys kind of coming in cold and then having to get together and figure it out. Right. And you would play a handful of games and then all of a sudden you're in the knockout round. Right. So like to me, this is going to be akin to that, just with the exception that you're playing seven game series as opposed to a knockout round. That's the only difference. But yeah, this is. This is going to be wild, and I and I think that there's going to be upsets because there's teams that are seated lower that are better than yeah. their seed because they're going to get, they're going to be healthy. Um, and there's going to be teams that were good that maybe won't be as good now that they don't have the momentum. When the Flyers could be one of them, so I really think you're going to see a lot of craziness happen. It's going to be kind of March Madnessy, to be honest right. with you. That's how I, that's how I look at it. Uh, Paulie, that's exactly what you were saying. You were you were saying this is going to be like March Madness. Yeah, because. Uh, with the extra set of teams and the teams that haven't been in the playoffs in recent years, they're going to be seeing different systems and different players that they're not used to seeing in the postseason. And I think it's it, it's going to be very prone to upsets. And, you know, the, it's been the same teams in the playoffs pretty much. So they all know what they're getting. And this year, it's going to be like a free-for-all. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I look at the top eight teams, and I'm going to sit here and tell you that I don't think that the top eight teams make up the final four, right? I mean, and it, yeah. so with, and this is only we're only talking about 24 teams as opposed to 68, which is in the which is in the uh, NCAA tournament. So you know, it's it's easier for the top four to to reach the the, the semifinals uh, in in this format, and I don't think it's going to happen. I think, of course, at least two of them will be there, right? Two of those top eight will probably be there. But I'm I'm almost guaranteeing that two the other two teams that reach those final four spots are going to come from the playing rounds. Like I think it's I think that's what's wow. going to happen. So it's going to be crazy. Well, you heard it here first, first folks. So so we'll, we'll we'll definitely revisit that once it gets going. I mean, I'm just super excited for it to for it to happen. 
So, uh, and, and being a part of this, I mean, you know, obviously it's, it's a shitty, uh, situation that, that caused this, but, uh, I'm, I'm definitely excited for, for hockey to come back in this format. So, uh, so Anthony, are you ready for, for hockeyocalypse? Have, <laughs> have you, have you, have you listened to any of, of the hockeyocalypse? I know that you're big time and you probably don't listen to the pod, but, but, uh, no, I have, I have not. I have, I will admit I have not listened to hockeyopolis because we've been, doing so much with our own uh pod but um, absolutely i, I kind of have an idea of where you're going with this so go ahead right okay all right so really this is kind of and and i i've said it before i'll say it again i'm i'm, I'm channeling my inner bourdain i want to know a little bit i think i and you know caps fans they're, they're pretty open-minded they want to see other cities how how life is there um so with philadelphia which honestly i i was there for LaxCon in 2018 um, during in the big uh, convention center, which is f- incredibly massive, it's like mm-hmm. s- it feels like six city blocks. I don't know, uh, but it's huge. Um, and uh, I really I enjoyed my time there in Philly. We stayed in Chinatown, which is there right uh, center city, right? And 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 it was it was a really good time. But uh, as far as Philadelphia goes, you know, you're imagine a hellscape. Uh, you know, you you obviously. Well, so I don't know if that's Philly every day, but, <laughs> but of late it has been. Yes. <laughs> but uh, imagine that society has broken down even more than normal Philadelphia standards. Um, and you're like, okay, this is bad. Where are you going to go when everything goes to shit? Can I say Wyoming? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can say, you know, we've had the New York boys said they're going to Montana. The Rangers guys said they're going to yeah, Montana. I, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you. So the thing about Philadelphia is, is that it, it has a bad reputation, but I, it, I think sometimes deservedly so. I mean, there are sections of the city that fit the description that a lot of out of town fans think of Philadelphia fans, and they live in those those neighborhoods uh, in Philly. But I think that the downtown part of Philadelphia is really kind of cool. And, and I is. came back here, and you know, it's funny. Like when I went away to college, I was in D.C. I went to American University. Oh wow! And, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and so that's I lived. Nice, I lived down nice there. That's a nice college. <laughs> yeah, I lived down there. I lived in the city. I lived in Silver Spring for a little bit. Okay. Um, so I'm very familiar with with the area down there. But I when I you know left the area, I said I'm going back to Philly because I really like the city. The city itself, downtown, is a really cool area. And then the sports arena, sports area is not in in downtown it's in south philadelphia right. so you go down there that's like the old italian neighborhoods right and and you got all the cheesesteak places down there so like it's a really cool vibe in south philly so like there are sections of the city that are awesome and i always recommend people to go to that said if we're having an apocalypse <laughs> i'm 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 not getting anywhere close to a major me- me- uh, metropolis i'm going somewhere far far away um, so yeah, I would, I, I've been telling my family, I've got to get the hell out of here. If things go bad. Um, I've been saying, let's, we're going to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, just okay. because it's one of those, it's one of those few places I've traveled all over North America, right? With covering, sure. uh, hockey for, for 20 years. It's like the one place in North America that I've never been to that I want to go to. So that's Fair why enough. I kind of, I kind of throw that out there. Well, the apocalypse is a great time to go sightseeing Jackson Hole. So, <laughs> hey, that that's a great, great, a great answer there. And and I'll agree with you, man. I mean, Philly does get a bad rap, and and but but downtown was was amazing. It's a very walkable city. You can yep. walk around, 
and you have this mixture of a modern city with oh hey you know uh, George Washington and Benjamin Franklin they were all just chilling here doing like yep. law stuff constitution <laughs> writing and, and you know all sorts of historical stuff which is neat and uh, you know I know I know Polly's over here probably getting excited because he's, <laughs> he's a big history buff so yeah you know I, I liked it but okay so Jackson Hole Jackson Hole is the destination now you on the way, all right, like you're in a rush. You got to get out. You get to take one item for survival that's – you just – you have to take it. And then you get one item for hockey nostalgia slash like, you know, be, to, to help rebuild the the hockey community or, or whatever it may be to, to further hockey once, you know, obviously civilization has been destroyed. What, what are you taking? You get two things. One's hockey, one's, one's survival. Well, survival. I don't know how I. I don't know how I would live without my phone. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I, I swear to you. I, it's. I, I was. I woke up this morning, and I started immediately. I grabbed my phone and started scrolling through. And I, one of the uh, alerts that kind of came through during the night was my average screen time, and it was like eleven hours. Right? Oh, <laughs> so, oh man, which is which is terrible. I, I know I don't spend eleven hours on my phone. It's just it's on that much though, and I'm constantly. Uh, you know, I'm a two screen experience kind of person. If I'm on my laptop, I have the phone up as well. Or if I'm sure. watching TV, I'm on my phone. So, so I could, I don't know how I could get by. It's, I carry, I have a big iPhone. I've, uh, uh, and, and I, you know, it's like having the computer in my pocket being connected to the world. So I, Absolutely. I couldn't survive without that. That's my survival item. 100%. <laughs> okay. As far as, as far as hockey, uh, bringing, bringing, look, the history of the game. The game is played so differently today than it was even 10 years ago, right? But No doubt. The, Absolutely. The, right? The history of the game runs through, you know, the expansion era of, runs through Philadelphia because of the way that they played. So mm-hmm. I would think that we have to, that I'm taking with me, um, whether it's, uh, I'm just going to grab, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to grab Dave Schultz and drag him with me. <laughs> because he's he's reminiscent of Broad Street Bullies and the way that they fought back then and the way that they they made hockey what it what it became because right. hockey was always just these original six teams three in Canada three in the U.S. and none of the no new city was ever going to beat one of those teams and then the Flyers came along changed the way the game was played were the first expansion team to win a Stanley Cup and and from that point forward hockey was forever different. So just like, you know, if, if I, if you were asking me this for basketball, you know, obviously we had Wilt Chamberlain in Philadelphia. He changed the sport of basketball. Rules were changed, uh, to, to accommodate playing against Wilt Chamberlain. Well, I look at it and say rules changed for hockey because of the Broad Street Bullies. So I have to bring some kind of history of representing the Broad Street Bullies. And although Clarkie and Bernie Perrant, uh, those were the great players. They're the Hall of Fame players. Right. The reason that the game changed was because of the way the Flyers beat the hell out of people. Dave Schultz was the hammer. He was the big fighter. I'm bringing Dave Schultz with me so he can regale all the new people who are playing <laughs> hockey with his stories of how to play the game. Right. Yeah, well, some some tie up methods. You know, obviously you, you grab the jersey and then and use that use that hand right. to punch. Right. Yeah. And yep. and and get him off balance and and get him with the right hook there. The straight right's also underrated. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. You got to remember, there was no, there were no tie downs back then either. Right. Right. So, so back then it was just, those guys used to just rip their damn jerseys off and you, they would be fighting in their, in their pads <laughs> and nothing else. Right. T-shirt <laughs> or if they're bare chested or whatever, they would be fighting. Um, 
just some great stuff. Just some great stuff. It's it's funny. Like you know, we had um, I had Dave Poulin on as one of the guests uh, about a month ago, and Dave Poulin was captain um, in '87. Flyers played the Canadians in the Eastern Conference Final, and right before Game uh, Six in Montreal, pregame there was a brawl between the two teams. There was no officials on the ice. <laughs> So the two teams were brawling in the pregame warmup for like 25 minutes until they just they got tired. And I like something like that. And when you think about it, if I, and I would recommend to all of all of your listeners to YouTube it. Just go ahead and YouTube Flyers Canadians 87 Eastern Conference Finals brawl and just watch it. It's fascinating. Guys are running out in flip flops with no clothes. Like just you know, there's a guy who comes out in a towel. I swear to God, and they're fighting on the ice. <laughs> it's it's straight out of Slapshot, yeah. and it's fascinating. And that's 1987. That's not that long ago, right? I mean, I know it seems like a long time ago. It's only 33 years. So right. it's the modern era, technically, of hockey. How can you not have that kind of culture be taught when you're reteaching the game to a whole new audience? It would be it would it would be like you know it would be like trying to teach american history without the signing of the declaration of independence right i mean how do you not have that Fair so enough. that's the way i look at it and i think that that would have to be part of it absolutely and then you know paulie and i played so we we've, we've we've been playing hockey oh i've been playing hockey for like 20 something years so you know paulie still plays with me and and he's a bit younger but you know, when we were, when we were competing at, at what we, at our pinnacle of, which was like D2 club, you know, yeah, absolutely. You know, especially me, because I grew up playing pre 05, right? So like mm-hmm. everybody who got, who touched the puck got hit. You were going to get hit every time you touched the puck. That was just how it went. And then I came back and played college with these guys who were, you know, obviously skill was more, it, I guess, you know, harped on or whatever and so so having that type of and and in addition polly i think you can you can attest to this we weren't exactly the skill guys i mean we were kind of but not really (laughs) yeah i mean we were basically uh we were on a slap shot i mean (laughs) we we were lucky if we got two goals and i'd say 50 percent of our games had a couple guys get thrown out (laughs) yeah That's awesome. Absolutely. That's awesome. And that's right. that's what hockey was. And you know, it's funny like people always say to me, you know, what was what was the the best hockey series you ever like hockey you have ever watched. Now, of course, in person, obviously I was there for uh, you know, Flyers coming back 03 against Boston. That was that was incredible. Um and yeah, you know, I was at as a fan, I was at game 6 against Edmonton. Uh, JJ Daniel scores the goal and they force game seven in the 87 finals. So like I, re- I was there for those things. Those, none of that, there was nothing that I've ever seen that was better hockey. And I mean, physical with fighting and, and intensity and great, a great version of the sport, really fast hockey as well. than sure. uh, Colorado Detroit, when they played each other in nine, in the 96, 97, 98, those years in the playoffs, was there was nothing like it it was the greatest hockey that you will ever watch um and to me like if 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 i was in one of those cities and you asked me that question i would take those those the tape of those games that's that's the sport that's the sport that you fall in love with just watching those because they hated each other could not stand 
and the talent level that was on those two teams when you really look at it. You know, Detroit Detroit had, you know, the Russian five and Iserman and Shanahan. And then you had uh, Colorado with Forsberg and Sackick and Hey Duke. And, you know, and then you had Patty Wah and goal. I mean, it was yep. the talent was just so good and they hated each other and Lemieux Draper fight. And I mean, uh, <laughs> the, the check against against Draper. I mean, that that's the game. So right. what we see today, fans fans watch the game today, and we all love it. We all love hockey, right? Sure. But, I mean, the version of the game today, and I'm going to sound like an old guy, but it <laughs> pales. It pales in comparison because it's missing elements. And if you if we were able to add those elements back in with the speed of the game today, I think it would be the best that the sport has ever seen. But because we're missing those elements, and I'm not just saying that we need fighting. I'm not a, I'm not a proponent of bringing fighting back to hockey, but the physical play like right. within the, in the whistles that I think is what's missing that would make the game great again. So, so there, there's the, there's the assessment from, from the great Anthony there. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? I think that the only thing, well, obviously being caps fans, the Pittsburgh series, you know, they didn't have as much, um, I guess, uh, weight to them, though they, they kind of did, but they didn't because they were in the second round. They weren't finals. They weren't, you know, whatever. Um, I, I think that if you were to put a second or a one A, I would say that the Pittsburgh Cap series could, could go up against those series that you named between sure. Detroit they were and great. the Avs because they had physicality and, and, you know, it's, it's funny because DC always plays, I feel, a pretty heavy game, especially for today's standards. And, having you know thinking as a fan that you're going to go in and just dominate Pittsburgh physically which we did but it didn't matter right like they hit back they also you know and for most of those series beat us so absolutely like I'm and we're old school too so I, I could absolutely agree with you on that well and I'll say this about Washington like there was a time when I was in college down there I felt like there's no way this sport lasts in this city because 1993 I'm in I'm in college at American. We got tickets to game six of uh, I'm sorry, 94 Caps Penguins um, Mm -hmm. second second round, uh, first round, first round Uh, game six day of. And we sat on the blue line, lower level. Okay, nobody cared. And they were they were they were about to upset the two time defending Stanley Cup champions. right? (laughs) Right. And. Uh, and nobody cared. Like we were able, like we were just a couple of guys in college. Like, yeah, let's just go to the game and got tickets that day. No problem. Wow. What you see, what you see down there now is a great fan base that roots the caps on the right way. And, sure. and they credit to the organization for really building that fan base. And I think putting the, putting the arena in the city as opposed to out where it used to be. Right. Um, right. Out, in the, out in the burbs there. Um, I think that was a big part of it. Um, cause then you had all the kind of entertainment around it in Chinatown down there. Um, so I think that helped, but it, you got to give the team credit. They got good. They, you know, got a superstar in Ovechkin and they put the arena in the right spot and it all kind of came together. It's a whole different experience watching hockey in Washington now than it was in 1994. No doubt. No doubt. And, and absolutely. Thanks for those props for sure. Um, <laughs> okay. So back to hockey Ocalypse though. Say you have, and this is a, a Philly-based question. Say you have the intuition to foresee that, like, okay, look, tomorrow or the next day, we got to get out of here. You know, what's the last thing you're doing in Philadelphia before it gets, you know, wiped off the, the face of the earth? Wow. 
That's a, I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> um, gee, what's the last thing I do in Philadelphia? I, you know what? It's going to sound kind of cheesy, but I really liked doing it when I've, you know, we've, I've taken my kids down to do it. Um, and uh, people from out of town, they always ask, you know, can we go and, and do it? I mean, you just, it's kind of so Philadelphia to go down to the art museum and do the Rocky run up the steps. <laughs> okay. And, just yeah. kind of, and, then, and then just kind of look back and you see City Hall and you see William Penn on top of City Hall looking down Benjamin Franklin Parkway. It's the iconic shot of Philadelphia that you see in every movie, right? right. Um, and every commercial that's filmed here, that's what they show. So I think it would be just kind of fun. Hey, one more time for old time's sake, take the run up the steps and turn around and see the city from the angle that it's most known for. That's a good answer. I, you know, mm-hmm. um, absolutely. I, I, we, when I was in Philadelphia, and I've only been there once and that was for, for in 2018, but, um, we drove by it cause I was like, should we park and get out and try to do this? And we couldn't find parking and, and we ended up going to eat something, I think. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we walked by there. It's crazy, man. So many people are taking pictures of the Rocky statue. So many people are just like running up and down the stairs. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. um, awesome stuff. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so I guess uh, you know another Philadelphia question. As as Philadelphia is in your rearview mirror, you're on your way to Jackson Hole. Uh, you know what's that tinge of nostalgia? Like, what are you going to miss most about your town? And it could be a feeling, it could be you know an event, whatever it may be. Like, what are you going to miss most about Philadelphia? Philadelphia is the most provincial town I've ever been in. And what I mean by that is, is that when you when you come here, uh, you know, people who live here, they don't ask you where you live. They ask you what parish you're from. OK, if you're if you're religious, right, if you're if you're Catholic, what church you're from. And if you're not Catholic, then they say, what's the closest church to where? Like, that's how the neighborhoods were all broken up for so many years. And, and because of that, because of how those neighborhoods, it was all these little pockets of neighborhoods. It became a very provincial town that that always kind of had this chip on its shoulder because it wasn't D.C. and it wasn't New York. And we were stuck kind of in the middle. and We didn't get the notoriety that these that the other cities were getting. Right. Um, and, and so I think that, you know, when when good things happened in Philadelphia and it doesn't always just have to be sports. But, uh, you know, like I notice it in sports, but like we had Live Aid here in 1985 and they did it again, Live Eight in 2005, uh, the giant music concerts to raise money for, um, for people that are hungry. Yeah. Um, you, you would see, you know, a million people just gather together and just experience something together. And it was just happiness. And, and it was all because they kind of got each other. And, you know, you travel around the country, you know, you only find that I think Boston's close. I think, you know, New York, obviously, but New York is just oversaturated with people um, and Chicago a little bit. But other than that, I really don't think that there's other. I think Boston's the closest. I don't think that there's other cities that are that are like that. Um, and that to me, that's what makes it so unique and so special. And so when I'm pulling away and I'm thinking back at, gee, what you know, what used to be Philadelphia, it was the, the closeness of the city when when good things happened. Uh, in the city because it, it was, it, it was just everybody coming together for a shared experience. Awesome. I think Paul, I think that's the most like heartfelt one we've had. <laughs> yeah. Coming uh, from the Philly guy. Yeah. Like everything else has been like, I'm going to miss a burger at this joint or the view from the riverfront. Yeah. Or like this, uh, this festival. And those are all good answers. They're just yeah. as good answers as the question, but you know, um, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a good so, answer. 
Yeah, absolutely. There we go. A little, uh, not only, not only does he know hockey, ladies and gentlemen, but he's quite the sensitive, insightful person. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> all right, all right. So, last question, and, and I think I already know the answer to this, but what is more likely, the world ending or your team winning the cup in three years? Oh, within three years, I think it's the Flyers winning. Um, I think that this team is really set up to, to, to make this run at some point here. I think this, I still think this year is too soon. Um, but I think you get them over a full, over a full season without a pause of, of coronavirus. Yeah. Um, and they got some good young players coming. Uh, there's, it's a very good young team. Um, and, and you know, uh, Chuck Fletcher as general manager will only be able to add pieces around the uh around the periphery to kind of really solidify it in the coming you know two seasons i think that the flyers have a better chance of winning a cup in the next three years than you know than the apocalypse happening um (laughs) but if you asked me this question prior to this year before vino was the coach i would have picked the apocalypse wow awesome so i mean you're really high obviously on on this elaine vino guy you know, he's everywhere he's done, he's gone, he's gone. He's been successful. That's true. And the more I got to know, like when I first, when he was first coming in, I'm like, okay, well, it's, this guy's the, the winning is coach to never win a Stanley cup in right. the history of hockey. Okay. And I thought, okay, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that he's just a, a good regular season coach and just can't get over the hump? Or is it just that he's been unfortunate? And when you look at it, his two losses previously, I mean, the Rangers, they ran into a great, you know, LA Kings team. Um, but uh, Vancouver went seven games with Boston back in 2011. That was the la- other time that he was there. So I look at it and I say, um, you know, th- this guy knows how to get teams to the Stanley cup final. He's, he's been successful everywhere he's been. And the more I talk to him and the more I listen to him and the more I see how he's changed, he, he has a different style everywhere he goes. He adapts to the players that he has instead of trying to force his pl- force the players into his system right and i think that that's a that's a smart coach and that's that's why he's going to probably win jack adams and it's probably going to be why um this this team will be a real cup contender during his tenure as head coach awesome well paul you got anything i know i know i always when hockey apocalypse happens i'm always uh i'm always the one talking but you got anything for anthony uh <clears throat> do you uh were you a laviolette fan when he was there yeah, actually, I, I'm still uh, I I still get along really well with with Lavi. Um, hoping to have him on the uh, on the show coming up here in the summer. I think that he was in the middle of moving, and now he's a candidate for the Devils' head coaching job. Um, and I yeah. think that that he wanted to see how that all played out before he came on the pod. Uh, loved his emotion, and and the, the best part about him was that he's a guy who really knew how to get players to buy in. And he was a real he was a real players coach. I know that he and, and Richards kind of butted heads a little bit, um, but uh, when when Mike Richards was the captain. But other than that, Lavi really is a guy that players like playing for. And you know, I talked to Danny Briere, and Briere said, you know, Peter Laviolette was the the best coach I've ever had. Um, and he, you know, and Briere was Briere was a guy who was already successful with Buffalo prior to. Uh, coming to Philadelphia, and he even said, he said, you know, as as much as I like playing for Lindy Ruff, um, Peter Laviolette was a coach that really made him the the great player that he was, especially as a playoff performer um, sure. when he was with the Flyers. So uh, that's you know, Lavi Lavi's a great guy, and uh, I think that you know, and here's another guy who's gotten 
three different teams to the Stanley Cup final, one one with Carolina. Um, you know, it got there with Flyers in Nashville, and I think if he ends up in Jersey, and they got a good young team coming there, a couple of you know nice pieces, plus they're going to get a high draft pick again. I think you're looking at another t- you know another team that could be you know on the rise in the next couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah, he's. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. He used to coach the minor league team in in my hometown in uh, Wheeling. Uh, mm. It's it was the Thunderbirds then. Now it's the the Nailers. Nailers, so, right? Yeah, uh, I'm always rooting for him as long as he's not against my team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, he's going to be, he's probably going to be back in the division again. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so that'll be interesting. And that'll be, I'd be the fourth team, I think, in this division that he's coached. Am I right about that? Yeah. Three or four. Yeah. Uh, four. I think it's the fourth team. So, um, yeah. So that'll be, uh, be really kind of interesting, um, uh, to have him back, but it would be good to have him back as well. He's a, he's a great guy. Um, great family man. Um, and it, you know, he, he belongs in the NHL. Sure. Yeah, he was supposed to coach the uh, world championship team, right? And then it got canceled because mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. COVID. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yes, he was. We yeah. were kicking him around because I've not been super pleased with Reardon. Um, so we were kind of kicking him around. If Reardon gets dumped, he's the guy that I'd probably want bench boss in the caps. So I, he'd be a great fit for, for Washington. I mean, he's better with, uh, you know, a little bit more of a an established team um, than he would be with taking a team that's got no, you know, a, a lot of young kids and, and has to start from the ground up. Um, right. So I think that Washington would be a great fit, maybe even better than New Jersey. But I know that the Devils feel like, you know, with the last couple of picks that they've had being so high and having another one coming, mm-hmm. that I think that they feel like that they're not as far away as their record might indicate. So that they feel that they can kind of turn things around quickly with a coach like Laviolette. Plus, the guys who own the Devils also own the Philadelphia 76ers uh, in the NBA. Mm. And so they're very familiar with Lavi from his time in Philadelphia. Um, just, you know, on a professional level, just, you know, kind of knowing him and being in the same building. Um, so that doesn't surprise me that they would have that interest to try and bring him up to up to New Jersey. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, look, man, it, this has been great. Uh, always a pleasure talking to you. Why don't you take this time to plug everything that you're doing? Obviously, Snow the Goalie, anything else? Yeah, no, it's Snow the Goalie is, is the uh, big thing. It's our podcast uh, in, in Philly. We call it a Flyers podcast. My partner, Russ, calls it the only Flyers podcast. We know <laughs> it's not. That's just kind of a, a jokey thing that he likes to do, but it's doing very well. We've had uh, former players on. Uh, during uh, every week during the the pause here, um, and we're recording another one tomorrow with Patrick Sharp, uh, who's on NBC uh, NBC Sports now as an analyst, but three time Stanley Cup champion with the Chicago Blackhawks, played briefly for the Flyers prior to Chicago. Um, so yeah, Snow the goalie, but the coverage of of uh, the Flyers is can be found uh, in written form uh, on CrossingBroad.com. That's the uh, the blog in Philly that. Uh, that we cover the flyers for so um yeah anything hockey related that's it i mean i also do a, a baseball uh podcast called crossed up um talking a lot about the phillies and uh, we're recording uh, tomorrow as well with brett myers who was on the 2008 phillies world series team so we got a lot of baseball knowledge in the back of the head as well so uh that's a that's a secondary thing behind the behind the hockey coverage but uh yeah so that's kind of what i do and then you can find me on twitter at Ant San Philly. 
And we thought we were cool because we got Ole Kolzig on the fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good get, guys. It is. Ole the goalie is a good get, man. And he was cool as shit, man. So, I mean, obviously stand-up guy and and, and great to talk to a legend. Uh, you know, so, but yeah. <laughs> hey, you always need somebody to bring you back down to earth, right, Polly? Right. <laughs> I didn't think it would... You come back down to earth this hard though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, again, when you're, when you've done this for 20 years, you're, the Rolodex is, uh, is pretty substantial. So it's not that hard to just reach out to guys and see if they'll, uh, do you a solid and take an hour and join you on the podcast. So it's, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. So Caps fans, it's definitely worth the, uh, the follow and, and check them out there. They have a great show. Um, you know, Russ didn't join us because it was his last minute and whatever, but, uh, Anyways, definitely give them a follow. And again, Anthony, thanks a lot, man, for coming on. Hey, guys, anytime. Um, I look forward to doing this again, maybe once uh, once the playoffs start. And uh, who knows, maybe Flyers Caps see each other in the second round. Absolutely. If that happens, you're definitely open. The invite is open for sure. Well, absolutely. I'd love to do it. Right, take care, man. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks. interview featuring Anthony Sanfilippo from the Snow the Goalie podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network representing the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, I mean, these, and we say it every time, these keep getting better. I mean, pretty cool segment. Yeah, and uh, a couple of those answers were very different from what we've heard. And some quite heartfelt, which you wouldn't expect from a Philly guy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. A little more rocky, a little less everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, it's funny. I didn't get to fit any um, riot or pole greasing uh, comments in there from when they won the, they uh, won the, uh, what is it, the Super Bowl, the, the fly, or the, the Eagles. Obviously, I'm not a, I'm not a football fan, but. Yeah. When the Flyers won the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as if this podcast uh, wasn't, uh, uh, you know, the pinnacle of professionalism that it is. Yeah. You know. Uh, anyways, a great interview. Hope you guys like it. Definitely worth a file, follow. The amount of g- awesome guests that, that that podcast gets is, you know, we thought we were cool getting Kolzig, which definitely highlight of my of my hockey life for sure. Uh, but they get guys like that every week. Yeah, well, maybe not like that, but, but pros and, and you know what I mean? Yeah. Not legendary status maybe, but you know, he was talking they, Pronger and, you know, Pronger. Patrick Sharp's going to be on. Pronger's probably Kolzig level. I would say probably. Yeah. But the other guys aren't Kolzig level, but they'd still be great to have. Absolutely. Maybe we, we should be talking to them about hooking us up with some uh, some Caps guys. Hey, uh, tell Niskanen we, we'd like to talk to him. Yeah, because they've talked to Niskanen, as as said in the interview. So, all good stuff. But, uh, Polly, you're making us re-record this because you wanted to let the fans know about some news that is on our going on in our lives. 
Yeah, I I know how much the fans love to hear what we're doing, and <laughs> we finally get to go back to playing beer league. Oh yeah! So the day this drops, we actually have a game that night, and since we're just coming off the pandemic and there's no high school kids, they're actually pumping us out like two games a week almost. Yeah, and oh, sure. uh, we're gonna have some like four p.m. Weekend games, 4 p.m. and a 5 p.m. Very nice. So we'll give you guys weekly updates. We know that you're itching for them on yeah. how Polly Cupcakes and Hockey Troll handle our life back after uh, our life back playing hockey after two months of sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> Dude, I've gained 10 pounds easy. Yeah, working easy. from home, doing Being nothing. Fatty. Just the only thing that I've been doing to like, I mean, you know for fun is like cooking ridiculously fattening meals. Hmm. So I've just been like going hardcore, looking up recipes, working out that instant pot. If you guys have an instant pot, the thing's fucking magic. Uh, you know, always flexing the air fryer. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm the best cook on the hockey podcast network, but I, I, I bet I'm top three. Well, I haven't tried anyone else's food, but you do make some good shit. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, we also have roller hockey potentially starting as well. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be at a, what is technically a city park. So we have to get the go ahead from local officials, but <clears throat> we're going to potentially be playing like four games a week between ice and roller. Your, your body is not ready for that. I can tell. I'm going to be fine. But I think you're fucked. <laughs> well, one thing I've been able to keep as I've gotten fat is <laughs> the muscle memory for hockey. So even though I'm out of shape, somehow I can still make it through a game. Now, if I tried to play pickup basketball or two-hand <laughs> touch football, I'd be done because that's, that's not in my muscle memory. Right. But, I mean, I'll still dish you the puck. I'll probably feed you all the apples that you're going to get So from the blue line. Oh, too. it's going to feel good to bury. Yeah. Um I'm I, I'm gonna work on shooting more accurately this season. You don't wanna go, you know, a foot over the bar? Yo, I mean I'm generally a Bardownski guy always, but I mean from the blue line, Bardownski, that's there's no better feeling. I know. I've done I've done it a couple times. It feels yeah. good. It's just that every lately everything's been going like off a of post and out. Yeah. So nothing feels better really than a goal that hits one of the posts. Mm. Just hearing the ting and knowing it went in. It's just like, I mean, that's like statement. It's like a swish in basketball, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, but better because it's not basketball. Exactly. But <laughs> for anyone out there who may not know what we're talking about, that feeling, that's probably the easiest to relate it to. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, uh, it is quite quite the the adrenaline rush, just the the statement, because everybody heard it. You can't deny that you that you heard it yeah. in the other team. So you're just like you know. And if you didn't see it and you heard it, and then you see guys celebrate, and you're like, "Fuck!" Right. I heard that, and that's a goal. <laughs> yeah. Goalie's hurting right now. Right. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, obviously, in our roller hockey league, there's quite a lot of shit talking. We're on a new squad, new squad this year. You know, as we as we told you in a previous episode, Polly got Hockey Troll on to a squad. Uh, 
which is quite competitive. A bunch of shit bums in our area think that they're fucking sick. So, you know, we, uh, we were, I was shunned and, and probably rightfully so. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to this new crew and see what, see what we can do. A lot of young guys. I'm definitely going to be Gramps. Oh yeah. I'm hundred percent. I'm probably Gramps by, you're probably the closest to my age. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, the, the captain, I graduated high school with him. And then there's one guy a year younger than us, and I think the rest, it's going to make me feel like Gramps. Yeah. So I'm great grandpa. Yeah. You're going to have like a 10-year age gap with some of the guys. Oh, fuck. Jesus Christ. That's sad. So you better take advantage of that old man wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did order Mars Blades, though, so I'll, I'll let you guys know when they come in in July. I pre-ordered the, the newest version, so we'll let you know how, how those feel. Yeah, but, I'm excited to see how they work for you. Yeah, it's supposed to make you... It's supposed to be like more like ice, and that's the worst part of skating and rollerblades is that it's not like ice. You're right. not, you don't have the cornering ability. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like if you're used to grass and then you got to play on turf... And right. then go back to grass. It it it's a bigger adjustment than I think people realize. Sure, absolutely. So, Caps fans, that's that's just what we wanted to talk about uh, with our our own personal lives. Um, I don't know if you're ever in the area, just come out and support us at the beer league game. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, I, I got some feedback from some some listeners that aren't Caps fans but support the pod. <laughs> really? Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> some of some of the supporters prefer our interviews that are non-caps guys. So today will be a good one, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, what what are they saying? Are they like it? Yeah, they just they like when we interview guys that have nothing to do with the Capitals because they're not <laughs> Capitals fans, right? Well, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and. and Folks, we got a good lineup. We're going to end Hockeyocalypse probably in a couple weeks. Yep. I mean, go through June. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll finish June with Hockeyocalypse, and, and that'll be the end of it. And then uh, I we got some really great uh, teaser here. We got some really great opportunities to talk to some quite influential hockey people. So... As always, we'll be sticking with you through the entire playoff series and before and probably a little after. We'll see. I'm not sure if we're going to go through the summer, but that remains to be seen. That That's months away. We have plenty of time to figure that out. Right, Paulie? Right. You know, uh, unless we tell you different, expect to hear from us on Monday yep. every week. Every Monday. We're here for you. Yeah. We do this for you. We love you all. Right. And for you to buy our merch so that we can have money. Yeah. And rate our podcast. Five stars only. Five stars only. Um, I'm pretty sure a Penguins fan, old Dougie, give him a shout out, gave me a, uh, gave me a, an iTunes, uh, gave the, gave the pot an yeah, iTunes. Yeah, gave dream. you one? You only? Well, he gave us one, but he said his comment was, hockey troll is my dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We'll have to look that up off air. But, you know what? Until next time, Caps fans, stay safe, stay healthy. Keep listening to us. Take care. Bye. 
Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trollin' on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow me, Polly Cupcakes, on Twitter at Cupcake Polly. And follow the show's handle at Caps Chirp on Twitter and Instagram. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on Twitter and TheHockeyPodcastNetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.